Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, very, very excited to have this guest with us. We have Rachel Carlson, the CEO and co-founder of Guild Education. So she's done a lot of other super impressive, very interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask her that much about. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Alexis. I'm so excited to have you. I'm very excited to be here and to talk about everything but my resume. Wow, we love it. Tagline of the show right there. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by the Cloud 100. For the sixth year in a row, Salesforce Ventures, Bessemer Venture Partners, and Forbes will be presenting the Cloud 100, the definitive list of the top 100 private cloud companies in the world and the 20 rising stars poised to join their ranks on August 10th, 2021. That's right, the Cloud 100 will be celebrating the list honorees with a virtual experience featuring the world's top cloud CEOs, visionaries, and industry experts discussing the future of the cloud industry, like Rachel Carlson of Guild Education, Ali Godzi of Databricks, and Reese Witherspoon. I'm just gonna take a shot in the dark here and say I bet you use a service or software provided by these Cloud 100 companies every single day, and you might not even know it. Wanna get your head in the cloud on August 10th? You can register to join the Cloud 100 celebration at thecloud100.com. Rachel Carlson is the co-founder and CEO of Guild Education, a company on a mission to unlock opportunity for America's workforce through education and upskilling. Prior to founding Guild, Rachel was the founder and CEO of Student Blueprint and worked for the 2008 Obama campaign before serving in the Obama White House. Rachel holds an MBA from Stanford's Graduate School of Business, as well as an MA in Education and BA in Political Science from Stanford University. Rachel lives in her hometown of Denver, Colorado, with her husband, David, and their twin girls, Lily Grace and Magnolia. Rachel, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so I'm so excited to talk with you today. You and I were introduced through a mutual connection and I was struck by a couple things that you said to me about your family and how you're in Denver and I'm excited to dive in and talk more. I love talking about all those things. I'd like to think of myself as Denver's pro bono uh, recruitment officer. (laughs) Do you think by the end of this podcast, I will wanna move to Denver? I hope so. And at the very least, I plan on recruiting at least one listener. That will Perfect. We will call that success for today. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's good that we've established some KPIs for the show. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Rachel, let's start here. Tell me this. How did you spend your last day off? Yeah, it's Monday. So yesterday. Let's see. So I have twin girls. They're three. Uh, They're the alarm clock. They wake us up. My husband nicely let me have a little time in the morning. So they rode bikes to the park and I jogged there. I'm a really bad and slow runner, but I have this aspiration of being a good runner. And so I torture myself by running habitually. That's amazing. Do you run every day? No. Oh my God. No. It's like a big deal if I run three times a week. I just want to be a runner. I like envy those people. Three times a week is a lot of running, first of all, to someone that runs zero times a week. So (laughs) I'm very impressed. I aspire to three. Yeah. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you you could literally be competing in Tokyo right now. I think it's very impressive. I watched the triathlon last night and they looked like they were running pretty fast. And then, you know, the guy, it's not Rowdy Games, whoever it was, was Mm -hmm. voicing over. He's like, for those of you watching at home, it looks fast, but not crazy fast. They're actually running 450 miles at the end of the triathlon, which is unbelievable. So, you know, I'm slogging out my nine minute miles, but 
Yeah. So took a run, played at the park with the girls, hung out. My sister lives right nearby. So okay. hung out with my sister's kids and her family. And then uh, we went to the swimming pool last night and had dinner with friends. Wow. That's really lovely. Life with three-year-olds is not that exciting, but the less exciting it is, the more peaceful it is. You kind of aspire at this stage in life for mm-hmm. like boring days, which was not me four years ago, but here I am. Well, here you are. What I find aspirational about that is the twins component. I think having twins is the most efficient type of pregnancy. <laughs> okay. So yes. I mean, I told my mother-in-law that she got the BOGO, like the buy one, get one yeah, free. Literally, that's perfect. Sign me up. The problem is your body doesn't get the BOGO. So once they're out of your body, mm. having twins is great. Like I yeah. I love joked when I called our board and told them I was having twins. I was like, you knew I was really into scale, built for scale. <laughs> like the poster child for that podcast. But turns out your body is not so built for scale. So the pregnancy was brutal. Twin pregnancies and twin breastfeeding are very, very oh hard. God. Yeah. That's now that painful. they're just two little humans who eat, sleep, and play at the same time, oh. the efficiencies of scale are fantastic. So I'm very pro-twin, but okay. I'm very nervous because the doctors have informed me that I now... I like this. We're going way... I'm like non-technical. Should I talk yeah. about pregnancy? Whatever you want. A regular pregnancy, you have a 0.4% chance of having twins. Yeah. Now that I've had them yeah. and given some other indicators, I have a 12% chance <gasps> of having another set of twins. Are you serious? Yeah. That's more than one in 10 chance of having twins. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I'm so jealous though. That's what I, I'm like. I'm just putting it out there into the universe. Telling the universe. Twins. Twi- like, please. I love that. I think I did that because I had a suspicion that I had twins. I predicted it. And my midwife thinks I have like some karmic connection to my body. Really? Because I, I appropriately predicted that I was having twins with no intervention. It was just a random pregnancy. But I, wow. something, I had a dream that okay. I had them. And I, there you go. So I hope for you. Thank you. That you too have twins. I hope so too. See, we've already covered a lot. This is very, you know what I mean? It's important to just like figure out my pregnancy plans now yeah. currently. <laughs> we know your pregnancy plans and listeners now know my odds of having exactly. another set of twins, which means my board, if they're listening, is now like gripping the handlebar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's amazing. So, well, Rachel, you mentioned that you said you're really into scale. Have you ever been known as the something person? For example, the math girl in high school or something at work? Yeah, this is a little bit weird, but I have a, I think I have a good answer for this question. As noted, we did not prepare. You didn't tell me the question. <laughs> That's my correct. preschool, not report card, but letter from yeah. my teacher in preschool to my parents on the yeah. last day of four-year-old preschool talks about me and my, you know, the things I like and the things I don't like. And they're, they say something like Rachel has more energy to change the world than most preschoolers. You parents, Chris and Lori, your job is to harness that energy to make sure she points it somewhere productive. Oh boy. We're not she can wreak havoc or something. Oh my God. She's a bit like a rebel with a cause and make sure she has good causes. And so rebel with a cause. That's my vibe. What grade was that? Preschool. I think, first of all, your preschool teacher sounds like they doubled as a horoscope writer. (laughs) I grew up at very, um, like, introspective, emotional, Mm. social learning schools. And so, yeah, 
Is that common in Colorado? No, but my grandmother was a preschool teacher and then started some preschools and then also started the elementary school I went to. So I went to these amazing schools that were shaped. um, It's a bit like Montessori, but it's called British primary. It's the kind of Montessori school when I was young. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's the British version. We're allowed to have plastic toys as not as into the blocks and the work, but choice time. You you choose what you do about two hours a day rather than Mm. just telling you what to do. Wow. Okay, cool. That's interesting. That's so sweet that your grandmother ran preschools. Yeah. Okay. So a rebel with a cause or maybe, well, a rebel who needs a cause really. I think that was her guide. And so my parents were be a rebel with a cause. I still was like most founders, moderately debaucherous high school and college age kids. There's (laughs) there's a good study that proves that, that really, yeah. People who are entrepreneurial tend to commit a lot of basically petty crime in (gasps) high school and college. Like you really like breaking rule, like not nothing violent and not that steals from people, but like, yes, of course, sneaking out late at night, breaking park curfew, driving before you're supposed to those kinds of things. Very common trait of entrepreneurs. And that was you in high school, college. Yeah. To say, yeah. <laughs> now we're really going deep cut, but yeah. Yeah, I got myself in some good trouble when I didn't have the right cause. Yeah. Was there anything super fun? Did I do anything super fun? I mean, I tried not to go to school very much. Junior year, I was a congressional page. I lived in Washington, D.C. and worked Amazing. for Congress. And then senior year, I came back, but I had already lived alone for a year and felt mm-hmm. very independent. So I made a rule with my parents that. I could pick how many days of school I went to a week, so long as I maintained straight A's. And when they had this system that you could check every day. So my mom agreed to write me like unfettered absence notes, so long as the system always said I had straight A's. Wow. Okay. That's quite the trade-off. There you go. Wow. That's amazing. When you were in DC, did you live with family or did you live on your own? The program doesn't exist anymore because Congress is basically the answer. But the program had been around since, I mean, it existed in the founding fathers era and then had been really institutionalized throughout the 19th and Mm. 20th century. But there was a dorm that 72 of us lived in and we were the little pages for Congress. How fun. I actually, I went to boarding school. So when I was a junior in high school, I too was living with a bunch of other high schoolers. So fun, right? Yeah. Totally magical experience. That's really cool. Rachel, do you have a catchphrase or other words or phrases that people feel are specific to you? Well, in the same vein of the rebel with a cause mm-hmm. thing, my husband has adopted the phrase that I, I like good laws and I hate bad rules. Ooh, <laughs> where's that one from? I'm like a constitutional dork. Like I love <laughs> the founding fathers and history and really and law, but there's nothing that bothers me more than a bad rule that isn't serving its purpose. Totally. So I really like breaking rules, but I try not to break laws. <laughs> I think that's pretty fair. That's good guidance to go by. I myself grew up as a big rule follower. And I think that I have continued to be a big rule follower in the in the more major sense, but I think I've I've started as I've gotten older, I've taken a lot more liberties with guidelines. You know, yeah. for example, like leaving my tech job to become a comedian and podcaster. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, you were breaking a lot of societal rules. Societal rules. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hate societal rules. They drive me mm-hmm. crazy when they're not used. I mean, I like societal rules like be nice to your neighbor. I yes, don't yes, like yes. societal rules like, you know, sexism. Yeah, exactly. Like, or expectations that we put on certain people or certain groups of people. It's like, you have to do this. And it's like, I don't want to. Yeah, totally. Like the mom blogosphere. Oh my God. I I cannot even imagine. That is the societal rule that I would burn it down if I could. 
I support you in that entirely. Is there a lot of twin specific stuff on the internet? I'm just preparing for my future. Yeah, just let's get you warmed up. Um, Yes, that matters a lot when they're babies because, you know, your body was kind of meant to carry and then feed one baby at a time, not two. So there's a whole blogosphere to that. That stuff's pretty useful. Okay. Very tactical about like dual breastfeeding. Yeah. As it gets later on, I've kind of stopped paying attention to it because my brother-in-law's a twin and his mom gave mm. us good advice, which was to try and not over-rotate on the twin thing because the whole world just projects that on you. So yeah. we taught them their sister's born on the same day. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so sweet. They like it. They'll tell people that when people are like, are you twins? They say, we're sisters born on the same day. <laughs> oh cute. my gosh. That is so sweet. I'm actually an only child. So my sisters are non-biological to me at yeah. all. They're t- my two best friends from, we've been friends since I was five. So we we're also sisters oh, born I on love different that. days. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You will like this because uh, you were going to ask about family later, mm-hmm. but my, uh, my grandmother, because she had seven children and now has 23 grandchildren. That's she's right. always very worried about only children. And we have a couple in our family because like always we're out there. There are dozens we're of out us. There. Well, you're increasingly <laughs> actually cousins are going away. Like kids in China don't have cousins anymore. Cause oh, when only yeah. children marry only children, their kids don't have cousins. Wow. I know. But my grandma loves cousins. When there's only children, she's always like, do they live on a block with enough friends? Are oh, they? So she would so love cute. to hear that you have Two best friends. Oh, yes. I am out here making it work with my makeshift sisters. They don't even feel like friends at this point. I was speaking with one of them yesterday and it just friend isn't even the right word. Like I barely even say like, even when I say my best friend, it's not even the same relationship, you know? I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's really special. They're both only children as well. We all found oh, each wow. other. Your parents like match made you all. Mm-hmm. Yes. When I as an only child meet other only children though, there's definitely this moment of like, I see you. I see you out there. A lot of my co-founder business partners have been only children. I love only That's children, but I still have to remember that my grandma's voice, I'm still, it still pops you're, up. You're like, do you have enough friends? Well, Rachel, look, I started a podcast where I get to know people just so that I <laughs> so can make sure. there's some truth in this. Exactly. Yeah, but just let your grandmother know that like, I at least interview many interesting people. I will. I'll let her listen to this. She's going to really like this. Yay. Oh my gosh. Hello to her. Grandma B, you're going to love this. Grandma B, I'm doing fine. She doesn't listen to much of my media. She's busy. Her favorite show is The Bachelorette, but she will love this. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Okay, so tell me this. Is there a fad that you look back on participating in that now at the time makes you a little cringy? That could be fashion, workout, anything cultural. Oh, so many. Yeah, I was totally into fads (laughs) with my girlfriends. Okay, one, we... (laughs) (laughs) Pre-cringe, (laughs) pre-cringe. We would wear polos with the collars popped in like neon colors, like Mm -hmm. pink and green and navy. We shouldn't have done that. I know, I know. Just two though, right? Did you layer them? We didn't double them. The boys would wear two shirts. Sure, we only wore one. Oh, Rachel, this is Bush League. I am from Connecticut, okay? <laughs> okay, okay. Do you know the things I've seen? <laughs> it's even more of a poser thing to do when you're doing it in Denver. We have cowboys and cowgirls. Yes. Like, we wear cowgirl boots. You, I definitely feel like you were cosplaying as me and my friends, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Yeah, we were just push link to your point. We got them at the outlets. There wasn't a polo store oh, in Denver, Colorado. We had to go to the amazing. outlet mall. The popped collar thing is interesting too because I did that for a very long time. I may still be tempted on occasion 
with like a nice Oxford shirt. But like the neon pink. Yeah, I know. Starchy. Yeah. Cotton one. We yeah. won't do that again. Do you still wear polo shirts? Not with the horse. Like I yeah. wear Oxfords, but not me too. Brand polo. Okay. Me too. I went through a period of time where, why am I saying this out loud on a podcast that I publish? I don't know. But I went through a period of time where when I would swipe through people on dating apps, if they were wearing a polo shirt, I would say no. Hysterical <laughs> <laughs> considering we've just admitted we both like them and yep. we still wear them. Yep. It's a no for me. Not a nice collared Oxford. I mean, those, the ones we're talking about, the like weirdly stiff, starchy, boxy polos. I get it. It was just Um, a no. That gives me a little bit of envy of you because as middle of the pack millennial, Mm -hmm. my husband and I met when I was 19 and he was 20. So I've never used a dating app and I get sort of envious that I'm like the Mm. last millennial who never used a dating app. I promise you, you did not miss out on a single thing. Don't even worry about it. That's what my friends say, but it's sort of a weird thing because it's like our generation changed how people meet their spouses. And we're like, no, our grandparents were friends and we met on a political Mm -hmm. campaign. What about it is appealing? Just that like, it's, ooh, interesting. I don't know. I like, I want to be like, I want to have tried all Mm -hmm. the apps. If you've been with the same person since you're 19, you can't have Bumble. I would say that's good marriage advice. (laughs) We got good pregnancy advice. This is good marriage advice. We're hitting all the key life topics here. I'm literally so prepared for my life now that we've had this conversation. <laughs> I'm going to have when twins. When you get married, delete yes. all these dating apps That's you've been really using. That's a really good idea. FOMO gets me hard and I hey, feel a little bit like I missed a chapter of the cultural era of my generation. So there you go. I understand that. I will say though, that I haven't used a dating app in a minute. And a lot of people I know also have moved away from them because Mm -hmm. it's just, it's like not the best experience in the world. Can we matchmake again? That's my favorite thing to do, but I feel like people aren't always up for that. Wow. I think that being matchmade is the most fun because it's somebody that knows both of you ostensibly. Have you successfully made matches? A couple of times, but all of them are pretty outdated. Weirdly enough, our friend group here in Denver, yeah. there's like 12 of us and we all started dating in either late high school or early college years. Really? And now we're all, you know, raising kids together. So the like fun matchmaking happened in college. Okay. okay. But we got to get it going again. Yeah, absolutely. Get it going again. I think it's really fun though. You know, it is also risky because if it doesn't go well, it can be a little... Yeah. Exactly. I think that's why everybody's now like, oh, the technology will do it. I think we need more. Get back in the game. The thing that I think is good about dating apps is that it essentially, and this is especially relevant in an age where people are now living in many different cities all over the country, all over the world. I think that it recreates the experience of bumping into someone at a bar enough that you can strike up a conversation about something you're both interested in. However, past that, it's not for me. Got it. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. The thing that I was going to suggest to you, though, is that if you do find a friend who's single that uses dating apps, you can do what my friends and I did many, many years ago, which is airplay their phone to the Apple TV, and then we can all swipe together. I'm going to propose this. You should, because I think... Yeah, that will give me the feeling that I'm craving. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that will really help. Also, it has always cracked me up how people who have never used a dating app always are like, ooh, it sounds so fun. And everyone who's on dating apps is like, it's literal torture. It's a grass is greener situation. I agree, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I guess I'm lucky that at any point I could always just flip that switch back on. But (laughs) 
I'm very, by the way, very happily married. It's just the app yeah, experience that I want to try out. So. Well, you should see how many people are wearing polo shirts and then reconsider. I can't wait. Okay. I'm going to pick my single friend who's going to let me <laughs> voyeuristically play with her. Perfect. Dating Done. Imagine you swipe right on the person that they end up being with forever. That would be like a, you made the match. Yeah. They would owe me forever. That's perfect. They would have to name their firstborn after whatever I chose. I'm probably going to have to name one of my two twins after you at this point. <laughs> well, you got the two names. You can just do a flower. Ours are flowers, so you can just run with that. Oh, that's really sweet. Okay, I'm going to start thinking about that. So, Rachel, speaking of family, is there anything that your family did growing up that at the time you thought was normal, but then you later realized was strange, not something that other families did? Absolutely. I've told this story a few times, but mostly in private. So here Mm -hmm. we are today, going to tell it to a lot of people. But a lot of my family grew up in public service and politics. Mm -hmm. And if you've read the book, Team of Rivals, where Mm -hmm. Doris Kern Goodwin like breaks down how Lincoln would bring people around to debate and discuss things, Mm -hmm. the rivals word bothers me a little bit. Yeah, they ran against each other for president. They were all friends. They had like fierce, intense debates. That's literally my family's way of solving everything. Oh, really? So my dad's side of the family, seven kids, they'll debate anything and everything you've ever dreamt of. And in our immediate family, the best thing my parents ever let us debate was when I was nine and my little sister was seven. They came to us and they said, hey, we're thinking about a couple of things. Hmm. We might have another baby. Mom might go back to work full time or we might get a dog. (gasps) Let's discuss. And then we voted. (gasps) They let us vote at the end. Wow. I'm glad to let you all know I voted for my little sister, Grace. Okay, good. I was going to ask. But she does. But mom voted for job. Little sister, of course, the youngest voted for a dog. She didn't want another baby stealing. Anyway, all three eventually happened, but we did get to dictate the order of operations. They let us help vote on that. Wow. So you really had a say. Do you plan on doing that when your girls are a little older? I don't know. (laughs) It's kind of a lot of trust. It was very empowering as a nine-year-old. I think we will include them in adult conversations. I'm very Mm. grateful my parents did that. But I do think my family, we're a little crazy. It was a little crazy Mm -hmm. that we literally were allowed to debate and discuss anything about anyone's lives. Wow. (laughs) All the cousins, you name it. Was any matter of your life ever brought up for discussion that other people were able to vote on? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah. And like, by the way, I'm making it sound like we had these really always pleasant conversations, but like voices get raised sometimes. Yeah, of course. My dad has a famous couch moment that's never been forgotten where he stood on the couch and <gasps> declared his opinions on where I went to college. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. We throw down. <laughs> yeah. I love the passion behind that. That's fantastic. A lot of passion in yes. our family. A lot of opinions, Good. especially about other people's lives. You oh, know? sure. <laughs> like, Don't ask me about me, but let me tell you what I think you should do with your Perfect. life. That's great. Well, speaking of passion and heated positions, what's the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? I want menus back. Girl, same. Hard same. I don't know why that one came into mind so quick, but I am sick of the QR code. I don't want to take my phone out at dinner. I don't like everybody's grubby phones being on the table. I want menus. Me too. I will join you on this hill so immediately. First of all, general blanket rule, even for a person of the internet, would rather throw my phone in the ocean if I could. But because I already have to look at it, anytime when I don't have to be looking at my phone, I choose not to. And the idea of looking at my phone around other people that I'm at dinner with makes my blood boil. I'm so glad I found a friend because I have brought this up multiple times and I've been trying to find friends who are elderly or Mm short-sighted or, you know, I'm really trying to find my coalition because this is how I roll. Yeah. And I cannot 
find many what? of us. Everybody else loves this QR code. Why? Thing. What do they like about it? It's faster. You don't have to wait. If the hostess mm. didn't give you your menu, some of the people who are like, no, I like it more because I can zoom in. It doesn't take up as much space on the table was something I've been told. I, oh I've clearly God. fixed this argument over the last two months of re-entering the restaurant world. I kind of can't believe you haven't found more people that feel the way that you do. I'm thrilled to join the coalition. You and I shall find the menu restaurants of America and we shall dine there. I also feel that when someone's looking at their phone, even if they're doing something legitimate, it makes me feel like they're not, like they're not there, like they're not paying attention. And so the idea that I would be demonstrating that behavior, it makes me freak out. It makes me feel like, I'll like, I'll apologize. If I have to look at my phone, let's say there's, I'm waiting on a really important email or something. I'll be like, excuse me, I'm so sorry. You have my full attention. I just need to check this really quickly and then I'm going to put it away. I feel like we're going to have to do that or else we're literally all going to stop having social skills. Yeah. Are you a phone on the table person? Well, I mean, it's a little different because you run a company. I work, yeah, phone on the desk. Yes. Mm -hmm. Here's my problem. I hate carrying purses. Like just don't like, I have a cool, if there's such thing, a cool work backpack. I don't yeah. know. Now I sound like a dweeb, <laughs> but I, I didn't leave the house very much the last year and a half. And I never liked carrying a purse, but I basically abandoned it. So the one thing I find is that I sometimes put it there because I don't have somewhere else to put it, but I was yeah. just kind of chiding myself recently of like, Rachel, if you're going to go to restaurants. You got to get back in the purse game because yeah. you need somewhere to put your phone. And I'm not going to wear cargo pants. And those are basically <laughs> as a okay, woman. Wait. Right? I'm going to blow your mind. I bought recently, very recently, six weeks ago a fanny pack. My little sister, who's 10 years younger than me, Mm -hmm. voted, right? As previously discussed, (laughs) she wears fanny packs and she's been trying to convince me. So maybe I need to do it. First of all, they're back. Generally, the fact that I was so easily able to buy a fanny pack should tell you that this, I'm not searching eBay for no, some. No, she like, said they're everywhere. They're everywhere, right? I also got a really nice leather one. It's really well made. My life has changed. I also don't like carrying a purse, but it's because it makes me feel lopsided. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that feeling. Yeah. And I like to be hands-free because I do a ton of walking and I do a lot of walking and talking. That's often when I catch up with friends. So I'll just throw my phone in the fanny pack. I'll throw like my keys and my wallet in. I can gesture to my heart's content. I'm Italian. There's a lot of gesturing that goes along with even the phone conversation. So I would say consider the humble fanny pack. Duly noted. Okay. Point taken. I do need to reconsider that. I'm ready for them to just put the phone like in our brain. I know, right? At this point. I will sign up for the pilots of that. Do you think the fanny pack is too lame? Do you th- you do not think that we're in a post fanny pack being lame world? No, I think fanny packs sound great. Mm. I mean, I guess the only thing I'm thinking about is it like, is it the old 80s where you still wear it on the side of your hip? You wear it around your waist now? Like mm-hmm. where do you wear it? I might be blowing your mind for a second time. I haven't brought myself to be so bold. However, there are people who are actually wearing the fanny packs across their chest. So it's basically a purse. Yep. But the fanny pack sits sort of on their chest, you know, in a way that looks so awkward that it has to be fashion. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, you're in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in humble Denver, Colorado, yeah. <laughs> flyover country trying to fight its way through. We don't, we're not there. I get Give you. us three months. We'll yeah. get there. So I haven't brought myself to do that because I sent, I bought the fanny pack. I sent my friend, I was actually literally going to a bar in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And I put the fanny pack on the way I just described to you. And I texted it to my friend and I said, is this really what's happening right now? (laughs) And he was like, please don't do that. So I was like, okay. So I've been wearing them around my waist facing front and it's creating like a cute waistline moment. That's like where my brain was just going. It's like, can mm-hmm. we pull it up a little higher than That's when what I've been doing? Hip. Okay. I'm going to buy one. 
I love it. I'll actually send you a link to the one that I bought because Great. it's totally brandless, which is very important to me as well. Yeah, that sounds better too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm very excited about that for you. What is something non-work related that you're really proud of? I did synchronized swimming growing up and I coached. <gasps> really? The last group of girls that I coached their whole life, like started with them when they were three in swim lessons, coached yeah. them synchronized swimming from five onward. And then I left, it turns out not all jobs are accommodating of uh, nine to 11 practice Monday through <laughs> Thursday all summer. So I aspire to find a way to fit synchronized swimming coaching back into oh, my Oh, really? Amazing. My sisters kept coaching. Mm-hmm. And the girl, that last group of girls that I kind of saw through to their early yeah. teens, they're all 20 now. And it was their last summer swimming. And they all just competed in the state championship this <gasps> week. And they got first place and did oh the coolest God. routine ever to pit bull and like picture the Olympics. They're almost that good. They were unbelievable. And wow. they're all just great leaders. And they now are the assistant coaches of the team themselves. And I was like gushing with pride watching them swim last week. Wow. How did that feel seeing them? I mean, I'm basically like a proud big sister of the yeah. to sisters from another mister. <laughs> They're just these like amazing young women. And it's such synchronized swimming gets a hard rap, especially during Olympics time. It seems mm-hmm. like such a weird sport, but it's such an amazing sport because it's women only. The team mm-hmm. is age five to 20. So you get to work mm-hmm. with different people of all these ages and you do a lot of it yourself. There's no like soccer dads or stage yeah, moms. Interesting. The girls choreograph all the routines themselves in summer league oh. synchro. And it's where I like got a lot of the characteristics I like about myself, like how to be a leader. My best girlfriends are from Mm. some of them. I did it with my sisters. So anyway, it's like a very special place in my heart. And I love these girls so much. So I'll send you the video. You can see, please do bring it down to Pitbull. Do you know what Pitbull song? Mr. 305? All synchronized swimming are montages. Really? Oh yeah. It's all remix. Cause you've got to keep like you got to do fast moves and slow moves and different. And you have to do like think rocket style cadences yeah. where it's like one and two and three, four. My sister's like the best music mixer of the <gasps> synchro swimming cool. community. As if that, you never heard that phrase before. No, right? I really have not. She's now in med school, but she still pinch hits. Wow. And so that. she made this amazing Pitbull remix. Wow. Did med school get the impassioned debate treatment or was she old enough to be excused from the family conversation? Oh no, she was, yeah, it got the debate. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so this next question is a two-part question. It is, who would play you in a movie about your life? And if we're making this movie, should it be a biopic? So from birth to present, or should we focus in on a specific chapter of your life? I don't have a fast answer on that. When I was a management consultant right out of college was when up in the air came in, okay. came out in the, and people would say, Oh my God, you look like that gal, but I'm a lot curvier than Anna Kendrick. So to give it or take Kendrick, it. No, I actually, that's who someone said about me recently. You, I, it's so funny. I was just about to say, and here I am telling you, and I think you look more like her but <laughs> to get told that by a couple people. And then this is a weird deep cut. And I'm not sure mm. how I feel about this yet, but okay. three times recently in random, but mostly business interactions, I have been told that I look like Brittany. <gasps> and I'm not sure that's a compliment since she's been in like the mental health crisis, but I'm so pro Brittany. Are you giving me that as a compliment in the free Brittany style? Or is this yeah. like you're affiliating me with 
what the media wants you to believe about Britney. Wow. So, Multi-layered. There you go. Deep cut on that one. I, I think they must be intending it as a compliment. Britney Spears is beautiful. I'm <laughs> sure that they are trying to say to you, we think you look like this beautiful celebrity. Well, you know what? I guess it depends who's giving you the compliment. Totally. So there you go. We can evaluate that one on the psychology of people. I think it does have to be who's saying it. For example, people used to tell me all the goddamn time that I reminded them of Anne Hathaway, but not just what she looked like, what they imagine she's like in real life, which seven years ago was not a compliment, even a little bit. Okay. Everybody hated Anne Hathaway. That was public knowledge. That was canon. And all the time people are coming up to me like, yeah, Alexis, you really seem like Anne Hathaway. And I'm like, Maybe okay. Have, like, you do a follow-up interview of the people who've told you that, the people who've told me yeah. that. Like, what yeah. do you mean when exactly. they- Yeah. Will you interview mine though? And I'll interview yours because I think we'll get more honest answers that way. Yeah, deal. Thank you. And to be fair to the people who told me that, I like laughed both times and they were like, no, no, it's a compliment. <laughs> and they said it was because I my hair is a little blonder this summer. From this yeah. Summer. Did you say you were a Britney fan? Yeah, yeah. I saw her in concert once. So did I. I saw her do the circus tour. Ooh, mm-hmm. I was a little earlier. And having now read everything, I'm like, what mm-hmm. the hell? What the hell? I know. Baby One More Time was the first album I owned. Oh, love that. I was a Justin Timberlake for life and sync no Backstreet Boys in my house. So I was hanging with her boyfriend. Yeah, wow. They really shaped a lot of our early music experiences. No kidding, right? They were very important uh, to our upbringing. So. Truly. Okay. Britney playing you in this movie is actually kind of an amazing idea. Can we talk about <laughs> it? Okay, so Britney Spears is going to play me in a movie. Yep. I think that would be great. And hopefully we can resolve all of the free Britney controversy and a solution can be found that is right for all parties involved. I think this type of project is the perfect project for her to then take on emerging from that situation. One girl's No, I gotta do something cooler before she's ready. Like, I need some work. You think so? I mean, I'm very proud of what I do at Guild, but like, sure. there's more to come. I gotta like, amp of it course. up. Of so attracted to the project. I think that we'll be able to draw her into the project. Well, first of all, we can always do a sequel, but in terms of drawing her in, do you think that we should focus in on a particular chapter? Or do you think Start to Current is gonna be a more compelling story? This is such a hysterical game we're playing right now. (laughs) I think we give her the earlier years and do the rebel with a cause. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (gasps) Wait, she could totally, by the way, score the movie. Yes. This could be an album as well. This could be an album Mm -hmm. of her oldest hits, her newest hits. Yes. She could also reframe the whole notion of we all are just doing the very best with our lives. I was getting in trouble, staying out too late, breaking park curfew. She shaved her head. Yes. And we're all just trying to be female leaders. A hundred percent. I think that's an amazing argument. And then I think what you said about bringing in some of her old catalog and then I think the new songs as well. Plus she could write new music for the movie. Basically, I'm thinking from a PR standpoint, this is going to help us in terms of like distribution and like building hype. This is great. And you didn't ask me this question, but if I had like one wish in life, it's that my active life would be a musical that someone would be scoring. Like when I'm by myself or in the shower or exercising, Mm -hmm. I'm literally crafting playlists all the time. Synchronized swimmer once, synchronized swimmer forever. (laughs) And so now I'm like, well, maybe I would want the movie to be musical. (gasps) It honestly keeps getting better and better. (laughs) I thought we peaked with Britney playing you and then we have just continued to find new heights. I'm really excited to tell my husband what I did at work today because when I got <laughs> all the great ideas we've come up with and the problems we've solved, it's such a more interesting conversation than a usual Monday. Good. I'm honestly so happy to hear it. So Rachel, what is the most memorable gift you've ever received or given? 
Oh. Mm. Okay. So gifts are not my love language per se. And I've learned that because I have a lot of people around me who really gifts are their love language. So I think Mm -hmm. I give better gifts than I'm not a great receiver of them. I'm so so lucky to have the things I want and I buy the things that I don't. So I always ask my husband for like experiences. I really wanted a more shower head pressure. So for Christmas, I sound old now. I was like, for Christmas, I was like, will you just figure out if we have to buy a new one or get someone here to fix it? Like that's all I want for Christmas. And he did it. And now I think of it every day I wash my hair. That's a great gift. I don't think that makes you sound old at all. I think that you've got your priorities in order. Also, water pressure makes your life better. Like better water pressure, better life. There's our second slogan of the day. Better water pressure, better life. Whatever the Casper of showerheads is going to hire us. Whatever oh my comes God, down. they should. Listeners, if you're starting the Casper showerheads, I will do user testing for free. So for Rachel, it sounds like her husband can install it. We've got this figured out. We're going to find me a non-polo wearing husband who could help me out. Actually, I'm, I'm surprise handy. Like I can do things around the house. Really? I'm I know. Not. Isn't that a plot twist? I'm 0%, which is why my love language is like acts of, when people give me acts of service or their time, I'm so grateful. The best gift I've given, I planned a flash mob for my best friend's wedding. No. Yeah. Oh my God. Tell me, where was it? I need the video. Was that a farm? Okay. It was very fun. Yeah. How many people? Well, so I sneakily got the whole invite list. So all like all 200 people at the wedding participated and I I I sent them out training. No. Advanced little you know, practice videos. You got 200 people. Oh, synchronized swim coach. Now exactly. it is all starting to come yeah, together. Exactly. And I do them at Guild now. It's just now they, you know, technically all work for me. So I can kind of conscript people more to yeah. do flash mobs. <laughs> but that one really took a lot of volunteerism. Was your friend just floored? Yeah, she cried. And it yeah, was just, I would have cried. It's amazing. It was like the best feeling for me, even though it was a gift for her. But I think it goes down as my best gift to date. That's an amazing gift. Was the song a remix? a la synchronized swimming? No, with weddings, you've got so many grandparents, et cetera, in the mix. So she got married in summer 2015 and we did Taylor Swift, Shake It Off. Oh, that's a great jam. She's a T-Swift total fangirl still. So she also has cooler music taste than that on yeah. a number of Taylor Swift is cool. But she also likes T-Swift quite a bit. So it was yeah. perfect. I think it depends who you ask, but I do think that there is a decent pocket of the world that would tell you that Taylor Swift is cool. Yeah, she would. I just want to be honest to her full. She's also much more musically advanced than me. Oh, I see. She constantly comments that my music's taste is quite simple. So I want to do her justice on this podcast that she likes Taylor Swift and music that I don't even know. Very important. Very important to know. I appreciate that you're looking out for your friend's reputations on (laughs) non-technical. Well, I don't want her to listen and be like, Rachel, what the? See, you should just have friends like mine who don't listen to my show and I can say whatever (laughs) I want. I have a couple friends who listen to almost all of them. So shout I'm out sure to those friends. They all <laughs> no, they explicitly do not trust me, Rachel. <laughs> trust me. You know how I know? Because I talk to them about what I do for work. I get it. It's sort of like how my grandma's, I'm going to be excited to share this with her because she doesn't want to yeah. listen to me on CNBC. Exactly. And see, okay, you totally get it. All right. So Rachel, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to dig into the lightning round. Dun, dun, dun. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by the Cloud 100. We're friends, right? Can I admit something to you? There was a time when I didn't know what the cloud was. So if you don't know what the cloud is right now and you feel like you've waited so long to learn that you can't possibly ask, I've got your back right here, right now. 
According to a Vox article from 2015, the cloud refers to software and services that run on the internet instead of locally on your computer. Simple as that. Did I just change your life? Speaking of changing the game, on August 10th, 2021, the Cloud 100 will be celebrating the definitive list of the top 100 private cloud companies in the world and the 20 rising stars poised to join their ranks with virtual experience featuring the world's top cloud CEOs, visionaries, and industry experts discussing the future of the cloud industry, like Melanie Perkins from Canva, Amit Bendov, the CEO of Gong, and Larry Fitzgerald from the NFL. Want to join them? Head to the Cloud 100, that's thecloud100.com to register now. And we're back with Rachel Carlson, the co-founder and CEO of Guild Education. Rachel, it is lightning round time. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. Tea. Oh my gosh. How do you take it? English breakfast, almond milk, Splenda every morning. <gasps> every single day? Every single day. Wow. Okay. We love a routine. Yeah. Mm. And that's caffeinated. Yes. Good. You got to get a little pep in the step. It's not coffee caffeinated, but it's got enough to get me through the day. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I want the coffee caffeinated. I'm on my second cold brew. To clarify, I'm like this normally (laughs) when I wake up in the morning. You're sitting because I I, I saw in your body language, you were like, oh, that checks out. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. I, I, I don't even know if I got that, but maybe I got that. Okay. Do you have a favorite board game? I loved life. That was growing up. We played a mm-hmm. lot of like you as a family. Yeah, that makes sense. You could all talk about each other's lives. You could it all. Exactly. How are you doing with your life over there? Wow, <laughs> you have connected something that no one else has ever. I'm, gonna bring that, I'm bringing that to Friday dinner. We do dinners most Fridays and most Sundays, and this is going to be the topic of conversation. I love it. Awesome. When you make the bed, do you use a top sheet or no top sheet? This is a frequent debate. Yeah. If I'm in charge. And it's summer, no top sheet. Okay, fascinating. And if my husband's in charge, he puts on the top sheet, but then he ends up kicking it down anyways. And then I'm like, why do we even do this? Mm. Such as the daily drums of making the best efficient task of putting on the top sheet, you know? <laughs> that is, it is the ultimate version. <laughs> I do appreciate though that it's like, well, he wants this and therefore he does this thing. What would drive me nuts if someone was like, I want the top sheet or I don't, but then they made no effort to make that happen in their lives. Well, yeah, at my household, if that that just means, sorry, Charlie. Love that. <laughs> Have you ever read a book twice? Yeah. What book? I've read The Red Tent a couple times. Whoa, you're not the first person to say that. Well, it's the Bible from the woman's voice. I mean, that's not how that book got published mm. or advertised, but I think it should be. It like it touched me at a very deep level I'm to hear a woman's voice talk about that time. Yeah. Hmm. Do you have a pump-up song? I have so many pump-up songs. I have pump-up mixes galore. I love that. What's the go-to? What's the like, all right, here we go, big day. Okay, this morning's, I played Lady A's Like a Lady, Dolly Parton 9 to 5 on the drive-in. I love Dolly Parton. Those were the two that I remember from the car drive this morning, but I'm constantly trying to pump myself up. That's what I use the coffee for, but I also use music. If I don't feel want to do something, I literally blast like the most pop music I can find because it feels, well, now I'm motivated, you know? Yeah, totally. Now I'm like, I better look. What else did I listen to? (laughs) So Rachel, this is my final question for you, which is what would you title your memoir? Okay. I reserve the right to think about this if my life is exciting enough to have a memoir, but for today, Rebel with the Cause. Oh my God, of course. It was right there all along. That's perfect. That's so perfect. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me on Non-Technical today. I mean, I learned a lot about what my future life is going to be like. We discussed the twins. That's very important. (laughs) I really, really appreciate the time. 
Thank you for having me. This is really fun. Good. And where can people find more about you? Uh, let's see. Twitter, I guess, is yep. probably most helpful. Rachel R. Carlson on there. I think that's it. Otherwise, I mean, if we're friends, we'll hang out. But... <laughs> I love that. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at Non Technical Pod on Twitter. Rachel, one more time, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. 